the Bible tells us that it's established by two or three witnesses. In fact, Matthew 18, Jesus said um, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And he was quoting Deuteronomy 19, 15, which says at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And that theme goes through from the beginning of scriptures to the end, this idea of two or three witnesses. And the scripture itself is established that way. Therefore, we can know doctrine. And we don't take one small piece of a verse in the Bible and start building a whole idea off of that until we find other verses that complement and corroborate that idea and, and build that up into sound doctrine. And so Paul's telling Timothy, you know my doctrine. And, and, and Paul would continually quote Old Testament verses, and he would build up the, the foundation of what Jesus Christ taught with the Old Testament scripture. So he built, built that doctrine up. And uh, yeah, Timothy, Timothy recognized that as well. And Paul, Paul knew that Timothy knew that. Um, Paul continued and talked about his persecutions and afflictions, which came uh, to him in Antioch and Iconium. If you remember, if you go back there, he was actually stoned um, and, and thought dead, actually. And so uh, he went through some pretty tough stuff as a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, what persecutions I endured, but out of them, all the Lord delivered me. And you should know, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're going to go through trials and tribulations but the Lord will deliver us through them. And it, we, we may die through them, but he will deliver us. And uh, that may mean we go to heaven. Uh, it may mean we have uh, a miracle and we get through it uh, in this physical body, but he will always deliver us. God is faithful that way. Um, I, I'm just going to quickly highlight a, uh, a few things that Paul actually endured by example, because Paul did lead by example. He says, Five times the Jews beat him, just shy of death. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned. Uh, he, three times he suffered shipwreck. And then he was in water for a whole day and night. He faced uh, frequent prevail, uh, perils of journey, like uh, dangerous waters, robbers, countrymen, heathen in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, and false brethren. Uh, in, in weariness and painfulness. Um, he went hungry, he had fastings, and he thirsted, he was naked and cold, uh, he was struck with bouts of ailment, uh, he was struck with worry over the churches and their condition, um, he had assassination taps on him, he was falsely accused, he was arrested several times, he was in prison during an earthquake, and his sight was waning. So Paul went through a whole lot for the word of God's sake, and we will go through those things too. Not necessarily everything that Paul went through on that list, but we're going to go through things too. Um, he continued and said, yea, all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. That's a big statement. If you are going to live godly in Christ, you're going to present the gospel to people, then expect to have trials, tribulations, and suffering as a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, John 16, 33, Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. Acts 14, 22 said, uh, Paul, Paul went around with, uh, with um, uh, Bar uh, Barnabas 
And he, he went back through the churches, teaching them that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. That's Acts 14, 22. Uh, Jesus said, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So these things are, are spoken of us as believers. If you're having a bad day, um, that alone can be a form of persecution. And when, when things are going really, really well, then maybe it's time to be prepared. Get on your knees and say, Lord, thank you for this time of peace and this time of, of catching my breath right now because the next wave is coming and you want to be prepared for that next wave. Lord, help me to get through that next wave of, of trials. Um, what's our response to that? Well, you know, Paul told us to present our bodies as living sacrifices uh, in Romans 12. Um, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, he also told us to bless them that persecute us. Jesus said that, bless them that persecute you, uh, that curse you, uh, and despitefully use you. Okay, so how does that tie in to what we started with, which was doctrine? How, how did that, how do we get there? Well, it, it, this will resolve. Trust me, as we get through the scriptures, this will make a bit more sense. Evil men. Uh, Paul continued and said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse. In fact, he actually started um, in verse 310, says, but, you know, the word but, uh, when we think about the word but, we're thinking about something that happened previously, right? This, 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 and this, but, uh, if you actually go through and listen to um, the sermon that uh, that Lauren spoke last week, he talked about uh, Giannis and Yambries and and all these other bad characteristics of, of bad guys that are um, described there. It's actually quite a long description. And here they are. We're told that they're going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So don't be surprised as our governments continue to promote wickedness and forsake justice. This world is on an exponential decline. And there's no stopping it before Jesus comes back with a sword in his mouth, vanquishing all our enemies. And he will. So that's the, that's the good part. Jesus is going to come back and and fix all that. Um, there was a time when you could point out uh, the ruler of the day, right? There's Herr Hitler, um, you know, or Joseph Stalin. You could point, pick out these individuals and say, well, that's the bad guy today. And to, but now, now we, we're just, the world is filled with evil men. And, and, it's, and it's becoming more and more and more where um, we live in a country and it's okay to kill your unborn baby. We live uh, in a world, I should say, not just a country, we live in a world where that's okay. Uh, we now live in a country where they're trying to push that you can kill the elderly early uh, or the infirm. Uh, they've got bills trying to be passed right now where that, you know, if you're going to be too hard on the system, basically we need to uh, put an assent for you to um, be, it's the word euthanized. You know, this is a, uh, this is a scary time that way. And I think we're going to see more and more um, desire towards evil. We see it in movies. We see it in the media. We see uh, sort of a lust for 
evil, for wickedness, for horror, for all that kind of stuff. It's just getting worse and worse. So it may not be uh, one individual that rises above everybody else as that evil character. It's everyone is having that evil character and finding avenues of it. There are video games where people just go out and and in the game scenario, they're killing each other. Like, um, I, I can't think of the names of them right now, but they're, they're kind of terrible. They, they, they just are avenues where people enjoy harming each other. It's waxing worse and worse and worse, and it's deceptive. It's subtle. Remember who's subtle? The serpent is subtle. Matthew 24, 10 to 12 says and then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many and because iniquity shall bound the love of many shall wax cold you know that love of many wax cold makes me think about these um these euthanizations that are are going to be coming more and more where we have uh um these bills trying to be passed to to try and um, you know, forcibly unplug somebody if they're too hard on the system. Uh, you know, they're in the hospital, they're on a machine, on a respiratory machine, and they're unconscious, and they're going to unplug them. Or they just, they're going to counsel them to say, you know, it might be better if you end your life than to continue on with this um, ailment that you have. You know, some of these ailments that seem like we, we don't have a solution for them, and they're trying to encourage they're trying to have a bill passed so they can encourage people to say, okay, uh, assisted suicide, please. Love many shall wax cold. In 1 Timothy 4, we see that now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created from the beginning with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Do you notice where the departing comes in? It's a departing from the faith. It's a departing from uh, sound doctrine to doctrines of devils. All these evil men that are waxing worse are waxing worse because they're departing further and further from the word of God. There was a time in public schools where they memorized scriptures, they read their Bible and had prayer time. And if you do that in school, you're ridiculed. You might even be kicked out of class. Today, it is so different. Who has scripture memorized these days other than those who are in the church? It used to be that there was such a familiarity with the word of God in society and it's not there now it's getting worse now paul tells timothy in spite of all that to continue in the things that he's learned and been assured of knowing whom thou hast uh, learned sorry learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in christ jesus so in spite of all those guys getting worse, the evil becoming more and more prevalent. We can go back to the foundation of the word of God, which is going to help us through all of that. Timothy was a young man, born of a Jewish mom, but begotten of a Gentile father. He was not the Orthodox Jew, nor was he even welcome in the synagogues because there were rules about 
if you had to be a pure Jew to go into the synagogues. So how could he have had access to the Holy Scriptures? An interesting question. Some, meaning most of the Bible scholars and textual critics today, have said that copies contain errors, copies of Bibles, copies of scriptures. So they feel or explain that the whole, the, only the original manuscripts, which are gone, they were worn out um, for the most part, or we have only fragments of them, that those were only the holy scriptures. And then they like to show that, well, the holy scriptures are in heaven, right? Jesus is ascended to the right hand of God. He's the word of God. And the only true scripture now is in heaven. What we have in terms of copies is our best guess, our best chance at knowing what the true word of God is. That is being taught today, even in the churches. Do you remember what it said above? It's, it, before, it said that they're deceiving and being deceived. So we need to be careful that we don't fall into some of these little doctrinal ideas of is the word of God true and available to you today, or is it far away from you and you can't touch it or read it or know it? Well, we actually have over 300 versions of the English Bible today, and that might be uh, uh, a part of that. Okay, that might be a part of that. All right. Is, a, is the word of God way up there in heaven? Well, Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 16 says, For this commandment, which I command this, thee this day, is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. So God has promised to give us the word of God. So as an example, Timothy, who was a half Jew, was able to, in fact, read the Holy Scriptures. Even though he didn't have the original manuscript that it was written on, he was able to read and to know the Holy Scriptures because he had good um, copies available to him, okay? And that's so critical because your faith in Jesus Christ is based off of the word of God. Romans one uh, seventeen says, For therein is, righteous, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 10, 8 to 11 says, what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Again, it's near you. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and, thou, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. It's pretty critical that your faith is right for you to be saved. It's by faith, right? Where does your faith come from? Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
So if you were given only fragments or um, uh, best guess scriptures, where would your faith come from? From best guess? What would you be, is your faith founded on something that's true or the best guess? No, our faith is founded on the Holy Scriptures. Thank you, Lord, that you provided those for us so that we can know you, so that we can have faith, solid faith. And Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In verse 6, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What is the word of God for? It's for our salvation. It's for our faith in Jesus Christ. To Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture from the front of the book to the back of the book, all scripture is profitable. The whole book is a book of prophecy. The whole book is a book of truth. The whole book is a book of life, all scripture. What does inspired mean? Well, think about the word inspired. It means to breathe. Our respiratory system refers to our mouth, throat, and lungs. To respire is to breathe in and out. And what's in the middle of the word respire? The word spirit is buried right in the middle of that word. So inspire, respire means breathed. We're talking about God breathed his word. In fact, when you speak, air is going over your vocal cords as you breathe out. That's actually what speech is. Uh, I, I, I didn't put this in my notes, but if you go to Genesis 1, it's... It, I have to go there. I love this part. In the beginning of in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 1. And verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's verse 2. And verse 3 says and God said, let there be light and there was light. Verse 1 says that God, that's the Father, created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2 said, the Spirit, that's God's Holy Spirit, rested upon the waters. And verse 3 said, and God said. And Jesus is the Word of God, and God said. There's your third part of the Trinity. Jesus is the Word. Right there in the first three verses of Scripture. Just speech. Every time we speak, we want to speak clean words righteous words because we are disciples of jesus christ and we represent him remember we're supposed to not do anything not take the lord's name in vain right and as christians what's the first part of christian it's christ so if we are christians everything we do should be to the glory of jesus christ things that we shouldn't do actually are taking the Lord's name in vain. So it's not just misusing the actual name of the Lord by speaking it as a swear word, but it's actually let everything you do be unto the Lord. All right. Well, Genesis 2 verse 7, the Lord, Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
Notice how when God breathed into the dirt, the dirt became a living soul. Adam was a body and a soul and a spirit, and the spirit came from God. There are also many other verses in the Bible referring to uh, living things, having the breath of life in them. The conclusion is that if you have no breath, there's no life. Permanent brain damage develops after four minutes of no oxygen. Death occurs only two to three minutes after that. You need God's spirit in you. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth. That's what God said in Genesis 6 when he was putting judgment down on the earth. Psalm 104, 29, thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to dust. There's the opposite. Take God taking his spirit or his breath out of them and they're dying. Ecclesiastes 3.19, for that which befalleth the sons of men, befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them, as one dieth, so dieth the other, they all have one breath. So life comes from the Lord. Life comes from God's spirit. In John 6.63, Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is where we get our life from. All the while my breath is in me, the spirit of God is in my nostrils, Job said. And Job's a pretty smart guy. He said, the spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. There's tons more scriptures. If you just look up uh, breath or breathe, the variations of that in scriptures, you're going to find a lot. Right? It's, it's amazing. So, uh, in Romans 6.23, we know that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. But the good news is that if you're born again in Jesus Christ, then your new life also comes from God's spirit. This time it's everlasting. John 20.22, 20, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Remember that was a very symbolic thing that Jesus did. He actually breathed on them to say receive the holy ghost that's life he's giving life john 20 31 but these are written that you might believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that but that believing you might have life through his name and john 3 verse 5 jesus answered he's talking to nicodemus he says verily verily truly truly i say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Simply put, the word of God is planted in a new Christian's heart and is given life by the Holy Spirit. The new Christian is now being born again by the word of God. In the same way that an embryo develops from the instructions written in his or her DNA, after the right amount of time has passed, travail comes like birth pains. Then there is birth into a new world. For the Christian, that is the kingdom of God, heaven. The Christian left his old body to rot and has a new body that cannot. God breathed in Adam's nostrils. He became a living soul. God breathes into us as Holy Ghost, and we get to be Christians. We get to be new life. Remember, he says, I make all things, behold, I make all things new. Right? If you have any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
2 Corinthians 5.17. God's going to make us new. He's making us new. It's very cool. The word of God is profitable for doctrine. So the word of God is profitable for doctrine. We talked about doctrine at the very beginning. We read through the scriptures. We find relationships between verses. Isaiah 28.10 says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You read a verse over here, you read a verse over here. Hey, they're connected. You put them together. Now we're building doctrine. Precept, precept, put them together. Precept, precept, you put them together. Now we're getting understanding, aren't we? Can you get it just from one verse? Oh, you can get a lot from a verse, absolutely. But you start putting a verse together with another verse, together with another verse, and all of a sudden, we can really gain some understanding. And it gets exciting because God made this Bible infallible and so connected from the start to the end. You got 40 different authors that are writing at different times with different things going on. And yet somehow it's, it's contiguous. The whole Bible is it's made together as one. Um, Isaiah 34, 16 says, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate. The Bible verses go together. They're designed to couple together. For my mouth it has, hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. Now men are fallible, and they come up with all kinds of doctrines. So be willing to be taught by men. But check everything against the scriptures to make sure they're true. Remember, Paul acknowledged that the Bereans are more noble than the Thessalonians, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So go back. When you heard somebody preach to you, tell you something, teach you something, go back to your Bible and check to see whether that person, what, what that person said is so. Check to see with what your, what your de denomination says is so. Check everything because there's a, a lot of fallibility. And I mean, it has to be because we have how many different denominations out there in the world? How many different ideas? And, and some of them are really in conflict. The way to tell is to go back to the word of God. Can you do that? Are you capable of doing that? If you haven't gone to Bible school or you haven't done anything like that, can you go back to the word of God and do it? Sure you can. I've lost my other verse that I was going to read. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. The word is profitable. Hang on, sorry. Here it is. 1 John 2.27 says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as taught you, ye shall abide in him. And the context that we see in 1 John 2, if you read the whole chapter, it's talking about false prophets and the spirit of antichrist coming up and all these things that are trying to deceive you just like we read earlier in the verses to deceive and being deceived how do you get through all of that you go back to the word of god which is profitable <laughs> go back to the word of god it'll help you understand true doctrine and get through all of that the word is god is profitable for reproof and reproof is all about heat and i think we were talking a little bit about heat earlier right Trials, tribulation, temptation, all those difficulties. The word of God is profitable for reproof. And what does it mean? It means we are going to heat it up and let the dross come out and scoop the dross out 
So we have pure silver. That's what reproof means. It's proofed. It's reproofed and reproofed until we got it as pure as we can get it. That's what it means. And if it's not reprovable, if it's just dross, it's called reprobate. And if you've ever heard that word, that is a scary thing, a very scary thing to be considered reprobate. So heat, the heat is going to temper our faith. That's what the word of God, the word of God gives us the faith and it's profitable also to make it stronger, to reprove it. It's going to do one of two things. It's either going to discard those who aren't in the faith, or it's going to purify it and keep it pure. Just like God's word is. Isn't that interesting how God's word is that way? And it's going to make us that way. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, Psalm 12, verse 6. Jeremiah 6 says that reprobate silver shall men call them. This is referring to um, those who are rejecting God and don't care. They're wicked. This is that reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord hath rejected them. Romans 1, 28, 32. I won't read all of it, actually, just 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And you remember the, the reference that Lauren spoke about last week is you had Giannis and Yambres that withstood Moses. It says that so these do also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. That's those guys that are waxing worse and worse today. What are they doing? They're resisting the truth, the truth of God's word. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. Now, God's word is profitable for correction. We are subject to our own ideas and those of others, and many, if not most, are wrong. When we are, And that's because God said, let God be true and every man a liar. So we got to be careful with men and men's words. Go back to the scriptures. Always go back to God's word. Uh, when we are wrong, we need correcting. My son, Proverbs 5. One, two says, my son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear unto my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. He said, my son. Now, as believers, we are the sons of God. John 1, 2, 12 says, but as many received him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. And 1 John 3, 1 says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. A good father corrects his sons. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen: correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. He shall give delight unto thy soul. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And Hebrews 12, this is a, 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 a very famous verse for parents. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. So the word of God is profitable for correction. It's also profitable for instruction in righteousness. I mean, it's good to know a lot of science and facts and, and have knowledge of a lot of different things. But... We're told to set our affections on things above, not on things of earth, for you're dead, 
and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Ecclesiastes 12, 12 to 14. And further by these sons be admonished of the making uh, admonished of the making of books, there is no end, and of much study is the weariness of flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Remember, his commandments are the word of God. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, the whole reason for these functions of God's word is that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. First, you got to be saved. That's what the God's word does. He makes you saved. Second, you got to be willing to uh, be purified. <laughs> you got to ha have sound doctrine. So you have your faith on that. You got to be purified. You got to be corrected and you got to be instructed in righteousness. And that all contributes to being perfected. But hang on. I thought only God was perfect. Have you heard that before? Only God is perfect, right? Well, hang on. If God is perfect, can he not create perfect? He did. It said that Satan himself was the anointed cherub that covereth. And Ezekiel 28 said that he, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. So God created Satan perfect, but then he became proud and or then he fell. So God creates perfect. Can he make you perfect? Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the sons of God unto a perfect man and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow. So God perfects us and he will make us perfect too. That's amazing. And I think it makes sense because if you want to be in heaven and have no sin or sinful desires, you need to be made perfect. Second, 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Right now in this earthly body lives a monster called no good thing. And while my soul has been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that no good thing causes me desires that are worldly, that are fleshly. Romans 7, 18 says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And 1 John 2, 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And by walking in the inspired word of God, we will not give heed to those lusts. Galatians 5.16, we're told, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Remember why we were created. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath for hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There are going to be 
some bad guys coming up. There's more and more bad, more and more evil, more and more wickedness coming. However, the word of God continues to prepare us to face those trials, to be able to get through those trials perfectly. God has given us everything we need. We just need to stick with it. We need to trust in Jesus Christ, have our foundation as the word of God, of our faith, foundation of our faith. And finally, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this one encouragement. In Colossians, Colossians 3, 12 to 17 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of, God, word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Thank you, Lord, for your word.